we are talking about a comic book which we all read. If you did not also read this comic book, be aware we may talk about the events that happen inside of it. If this is going to make you sad, you should read the comic book first. That's like playing pretend with five-year-olds. Oh, that Spider-Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a stroke? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin, apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Make it, make it, do it, makes us... Welcome, everybody, to episode 68 oh, wow, of the Trade Secrets Podcast. Uh, I am Luke Matthews. I am here with the full crew again today. We are here with Ann Bean. Hooray! Joel Simon. What's happening? Eddie Isaac. Hola. And Andrew Pudell. Hail Satan. Uh, today we are talking about the uh, image comic book Pretty Deadly by Kelly Sue DeConnick and Emma Rios and Jordi, Jordi Belair and Clayton Cowles, and there's all kinds of fucking people involved in this book. Uh, it is pretty spectacular, but we'll get to that later. Um, I don't think there's anything, a whole lot in the way of comic book news this week, is there? I Except for the fact that apparently Amazing Spider-Man 2 is fucking terrible. What? That's what I heard. Whoa, I heard it was whoa, trash. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I heard it was trash. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, what was whoa. it? John John uh, John Lehman said that he liked Spider-Man 3 better than Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Ouch. So, so, whoa. Uh, now I have to see it, because if that's the truth, then that movie's really, really bad. Because Spider-Man 3 was... Absolutely atrocious. I read uh-huh. a fairly spoilery uh, r- review. It wasn't really a review, but it was like a basically calling out all the stupid plot points in Amazing Spider-Man Two. And it is like if if that thing is even remotely accurate when the mo- when I see the movie, it's just it's just well, stupid. Here, here's the other thing too. I was thinking about. I was thinking about that if this movie is really is really that bad, like. Is it because a couple weeks earlier Winter Soldier came out and that was like awesome? No, like, I, I heard the, that it's the same mess that they have with a lot of superhero movies. Where they, they try to do too much, right? Too many, too yeah. many villains. Too many yeah, villains. That's what I, thought, I thought that too. They tried somebody, to do too much. Somebody did a really good uh, comic, and I wish I could find it. That was, um, it was, it was the relative intelligence of superhero vill- movies, oh villains of superhero movies, and it was like you have one superhero has the intelligence of one person mm-hmm. or villain. And then you have two super villains and they're each about as intelligent as half a person. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go three super villains and they're all pretty stupid. And then four or more super villains. It and just, it's basically it, a bunch of bumbling toddlers. I, yeah. I wish it was a, <laughs> yeah, they like said the last panel. Six. Like the sinister, yeah, the, the, the sinister, sinister six, six all getting on the short bus. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait a second. I thought you guys are all supposed to be like genius level intellect. Not when we're together. Electro smart. Make things turn on. Duck have arms. More arms. I just, I don't know. I saw this, I saw the first one and I liked the first one, but the first one was good. The first one was literally almost a plot point for plot point rehash of the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man with a different villain and a different girlfriend. Um, Hmm. Vulture old not a, not and necessarily sad. in a bad way. It was a decent movie, and and Andrew Garfield is a wildly better Peter Parker than absolutely than Tobey Maguire was. Absolutely. And, I, and I like Tobey Maguire, but Andrew Garfield just I think destroys him. Um, and Emma Emma Stone is awesome. Uh, but and I was gonna go see this one, but I'm like, the more I hear about it, I'm gonna wait for video now. I have to see I'm it. If like, it's really that bad, I have to see it. I don't have to see it in theaters. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. So, <laughs> well, not so in IMAX. Spider-Man Two, Definitely. terrible. What's more interesting than this is that advanced reviews of Days of the Future Past are coming in, 
and everyone's like, I was fucking eating crow. This movie's amazing. I <laughs> am. I I, I think it looks bad. I, I saw another good. plot. I saw another uh, another um, what the fuck you call plot it? Plot point? Not plot point. Teaser. Trailer. Summary? Trailer. Another trailer. Excuse me. Yeah, another trailer. And I th- I'm gonna have to really see it now because I'm not really digging the way the Sentinels look. Really, I love them, dude. It's got the, Bishop. It, it's a it's version got Bishop. It's a, now Sentinels have looked like that in the comic book. I forget what arc that they looked like that. Like, yeah, there's like 17 different iterations. I'm um, just saying, I like the the traditional classic Sentinel that was in the X Men cartoon. That was the yeah, but like, they're never going to put that in a live action movie. Like the, that look of a Sentinel is just it's just like you're never going to see. And they're trashing a mall. I don't like, think you're going to get that yeah. in it's, like a high production. Well, like you're, it's just like you're never going to get Galactus with the giant fins on the side of his helmet in a movie oh, either. God, it's I like want Fin Fang Foom. But right. so the, sha- but <laughs> the Shadow of Galactus they make in Fantastic pants? Four has those. If you look at the Shadow, he oh, has yeah, the sure. But that's a bad movie. So, like, can you, imagine, can you imagine? Can you That's what I want to know, dude. Can you imagine if they made a next wave movie? Oh my god, oh, it'd be so fucking fantastic! Fucking assassin koala bears. Hey, hey if they can do a, soldiers. If they can do a Bodoc. Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah, right. <laughs> if they can say. do a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, they could easily do next wave. Like uh, that would be so good. Is it? Is it Elsa Bloodstone? When she's in the samurai stance, you're right. Yeah, and she's holding the shovel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could be done with that. Uh, Next wave is so fucking good. I did mm. see that uh, Agents of Shield got picked up for a second season. And I'm happy, and uh, happy and they they greenlit the um, Agent Carter spinoff spinoff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I, I don't know. And it's why. it's not Sharon Carter. Carter, it's uh, Ginny. It's Peggy Carter. Oh, Peggy. Yeah, right. Because it's based on it's the woman from Captain America One. So, Anne, free, free comic, comic book, book day. day. I was going to talk about that because I was that person that went to multiple comic shops on it. Um, I avoid free comic book day. I, I understand. I was at Northwest yep. Because <laughs> to what I what I see the purpose of free comic book day pools. being is it's a, it's a good way to, uh, to get people into comics. And yes. I see a lot of kids there as as well, which is awesome. which is great. And the, you know... It's it a depends. great day for those parents who can't afford to buy their kids comics every week to be like, you can have all the comics you want. It's also, well, and <laughs> it's also good to... 56 shitty titles. Yeah. It's also good to, you know, try out some new stuff. I mean, it usually is sort of like thrift shopping in that you have to, like, strategically, you have to you have to get there correctly early enough for there to be good stuff left and you have to be pretty strategic about it most shops have sales too so i was really going there to be like let me pick up my pull box and buy this thing i've been meaning to buy because it's you know 20 percent off or whatever um but it was good to see like a serious serious turnout of folk um i went to i went to dream strands in greenwood which which um i like it's not like is that For the example, one with the gruff guy, the guy who's like always in like a kind of a no, that's Arcane. No, that's yeah, Arcane. Arcane's my favorite. Arcane is your favorite. Arcane's totally my favorite. Arcane's a great shop. Arcane, Arcane, Arcane is, and, Arcane yeah, is they are totally second. gruff, but actually, but the guy's actually entertaining to me now. Oh yeah, like, yeah. I thought, like, ah, you're mad. <laughs> he's not though. He's just gruff. Yeah, um, he's he's the, like the nicest like, guy in the start world. Start talking it's to him about comics, and it's great. Like, I feel like they have pretty similar tastes to 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 me, and they also like. They had a bunch of creators there all day. They had the Foglios. Okay. I didn't get there in time for the Foglios. That's okay. Uh, I I like them, but I see them every Emerald City Comic Con, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they had uh, James Staunton and Jen Vaughn and Max Badger. Who, Jen Vaughn. Uh, Jen, Jen Vaughn. Vaughn. Why do I know that name? Um, 
does some stuff with Adventure Time, as does James Staunton. Okay, um, okay, okay, okay. I know who she is. Adventure no, Time. No, I got it. Yeah, Adventure no, I, I am. <laughs> I am increasingly becoming an Adventure Time devotee. Jake and, and Finn are fucking great. Yeah, and dude, and all the princesses are great. That's yeah, right. Yeah. The fire I, princess. I like it because princess, yeah. it. I feel like it actually has appeal to all genders too, which is yeah, huge because usually true. it's like there was some site I was looking at that paired that had a bunch of commercials that apparently maybe are currently running on television. I don't watch television, so sometimes I watch watch it and then I'm like, oh my god, dystop- dystopian reality. But it was like <laughs> a bunch of boy boy toy. As in Toys for Boys commercial and then Toys for Girls commercials. And you could put the video of one with the audio of the other. Fucking hilarious. Because wow. all of the boy commercials were like, war, fighting, learn how to army, vengeance build. And all the <laughs> all the girl commercials are like, yay, friendship. Face McPunchy battles, <laughs> nutsack McKicks a lot. <laughs> and you put that on like Littlest Pet Shop where it's like shiny ponies and shit. Yay, yeah. shiny. Well, that was like that little that little script they had on uh, on Robot Chicken with the My Little War ponies. My little, yeah. No, my, yeah. It's like pestilence, death. My it's Little like, Four Horse. Yeah, 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 yeah. So to bring this back around to an actual comic book discussion. <laughs> wait, wait, Indeed. no. I need to talk about TV shows for a second because I have an amazing moment of my life that you guys might have seen but not necessarily the listeners at home. Okay. Um, I just want to put a, uh, a thing out to Silicon Valley for making the most awkward moment for Comcast ever. Sunday last week, my cable went out. Silicon Whatever, Silico- because silicone I, is what breast implants are. Don't made give of. a shit. The name of the show does not <laughs> I matter. Know what you use to loop things was, up. What was on that. the show is what's important. Sure. So my cable went out on Sunday, and I called Comcast up, and they're like, uh, "You, you've never had HBO, sir." I'm like, uh, "You're the same wrong." Story you told on Facebook. Go ahead. Yeah. Because all of our listeners follow Andy on Facebook. That was he. He prefaced this whole story with, "You guys know what I'm talking about, but the listeners won't," and you still tried to correct yes, him on it. Yes, I did. Jesus Christ. Wow. So my cable went out. And uh, talking to Comcast, they're like, yeah, we'll get someone out to you on Wednesday. So I come home from work, and I'm waiting for the cable guys for about an hour and a half. They, uh, they show up at my place, and I have the most banal conversation with them ever because I don't give any fucks. <laughs> and then they're trying to fix things. They're like, oh, your cable box is out, so we're going to replace it. And they replace it. And they're like, okay, we think everything should be working. Let me uh, call the home office real quick and make sure that everything's working. Uh, so my, my, I need to preface this by saying my cable box was set to HBO. It is 4 p.m. on a Wednesday. Uh, the guys call up the home office and like, can you try pushing HBO through real quick? TV's on. And it's a guy, his, uh, his assistant and me alone in my house. And what shows up on my TV but about a foot-long picture of a cock awesome. attached to a guy sodomizing the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> the silence is fucking deafening in the apartment. <laughs> I love that that's like paired with the really like boring zero shits given conversation. Oh, yeah. I'm like, you know, whatever. whatever. Comcast guys, you fuck you. you okay. You're here you to fix my problem. I'm I'm some random dude. I, I, I was just... dead quiet for like 15 <laughs> seconds, and I really wanted to be like, Welcome to my sex dungeon. <laughs> now, that would have been awesome if you just I said, pointed at the TV and just been like, eh? eh? <laughs> you like, eh? eh. So you walk over to the door. How and you like you, them apples? You walk over to the door, you hit the lock and go, there's no escape now. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking metal shutters shut over yeah, my windows. <laughs> I don't know. I was going to talk about more free comic book day stuff, but it doesn't fucking matter anymore. I guess like this is the most rambly, weird show we've done in a long time. Welcome to the Pumpkin, the Andy Podell Dungeon. (laughs) 
<laughs> so to let Andy ramble more, you were going to talk about a charity yeah, thing. Or uh, so now that I've put dungeon, put dungeon, the put dungeon, the Andy Padel dungeon, the put dungeon. <laughs> I don't even know if I want to associate this with the yeah no Charles from play. now on when Let's you talk about that for a minute oh, as a podcast you should be like what well, this you invite us to the Padungeon I like Andy's apartment of apathy it's less <laughs> I like the Padungeon <laughs> we know Fortress <laughs> of Solitude Andy I saw Definitely. you I saw you eating that Beak. mic earlier I'm a fan of Padungeon uh, so I'm doing um, I was asked by one of the teams for there's a thing called the gauntlet going on it is uh, seattle based teams everyone is competing in the gauntlet but we're all raising money for child's play uh child's play is a fantastic organization that provides video game consoles and board games and stuff like that to kids who are in hospitals uh, i think it, it's probably one of the best things it's amazing i've it's ever done yep uh so we are collecting donations. So if anyone really wants to like throw in a buck or two, um, you can go to the gauntlet.me and there's a donation portal there and just, you know, give a buck or two to the thing. You can put Podell under the recipient or just give them money. I don't give a shit either way. So moving on, we actually have a, uh, a listener question that we have been putting off for quite some time. We, we got it about a month ago while Eddie was out of uh, the country and um, we couldn't do it last show because we ran out of time, so we're going to do it now. This is from our uh, relatively new fan, Scanner51, who he had another question on the show earlier. Yay, By the Scanner. way, welcome, Scanner51, to listenership. He, this, guy, this guy just fucking burned through our podcasts. Woo! Like, he's been a fan for, I think, about a... Uh, I for, he first said something to me about a month and a half ago, yeah. and he has already burned through the entire run of After the Fact Ooh. and the entire run of Trade Secrets and I'm has sorry. caught up on Trade Secrets. Once again, so, I'm so sorry so for the sad. Castlevania Bloodlines episode. Awesome. <laughs> so Dedicated. Sad. He said he, he, he loved After the Fact, which is awesome. Uh, he's, uh, you know, he's... He's a big fan, and that's awesome. That's why we're taking care of his email. He says, hey, guys, Scanner51 here. Um, I know all your feelings about DC Comics, so I'll gloss over that. But let's look at another aspect of DC. What is everyone's opinions on the animated movies that DCWB and uh, have and are currently putting out? Going back to Batman Mask of the Phantasm up to the newest Justice League War. I enjoy all of them. Uh, saw it in the theater... And it holds a special wow. place in his wow. heart. I actually theater. saw that one in the theater, too. Um, I've also been fortunate to get Mark Hamill to sign two Batman DVDs <laughs> for him. Um, let's add this as well. Thoughts on DC animated series that Bruce Tim has led. Awesome. Um, I don't know any of the new stuff. I have not watched. I've heard good things about a lot of the new stuff. Uh, like Teen Titans Go is a kid's show, but I've heard that it's actually pretty good. It is pretty good. Um, and I've heard that so a lot of the new Justice League stuff is really good. Uh, <laughs> going back to the ones that I watched when I was younger, um, the Batman, Bruce Tim Batman animated series is one of the best animated shows ever, ever put on the air. Ever. Like, Dude, it, Teen Titans Go, A, not only had a rad theme, yeah. Uh, B was a decent show. C had that like that's the show that got all of the girls to start watching superhero stuff because yeah. it was a cool ensemble cast that had two strong women. Come on, wait, the new Teen Titans, like the very yeah. like Teen Titans, like go. Teen Titans Go. It's the same like friggin' same era as like X Men Evolution. Like <laughs> no, Teen Titans Go is like really new. Like it's not even through a season yet. Yeah, no, no, oh. t- the Teen Titans. No, I'm talking about the whatever Teen Titans. The original Teen Titans was animated and in like the 90s. Yeah. 
or no. 2000s somewhere in there. that's t that's just teen titans okay teen titans teen titans go is like teen titans go is brand new it's brand new oh okay uh it's and it's, and it's fantastic it's oh, it's geared it's it's targeted more at younger kids yeah mask of the phantasm of course it's phenomenal it's it's, it's it was absolutely amazing right um I haven't watched a lot of the animated shows beyond Batman Beyond. Like I like Batman. I watched Batman. I watched a little bit of the Justice League that came out around that era, Lost. which was okay. It was it was not as good as Batman. The Justice League into the Justice League Unlimited was I thought was really good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's girl. really funny to me how how the, how much more daring DC and is willing to be in their in their animated properties. They are. They really when, are. When you know when they're still they're still to this day people are hemming and hawing about making a fucking Wonder Woman movie. Yeah, it's and two different departments. In and and it's just like the right, and that's the thing. The the like they tried to make a Wonder Woman show and it was like I saw a small clip of what they had filmed with I think it was Adrian Palicki was playing the lead uh, and. Oh my god, it was terrible. Oh, and it doesn't make it's any like they sense just when they do it right. It doesn't make any sense when they've got a show like Arrow that now that is that is it's not like it's not the best show ever, but it's a good show. I think it's they're like, doing I think with Arrow they're just doing the right things and here here's what I've noticed too with the animated um or not animated live action universes, they've really really been trying to steer clear of magic and that's the that's the thing. Yeah. See, so Arrow there's a lot of things that they explain by science, and they've sure. stayed in that science community. And even with the live action movies, they've stayed in that science community. What's and I think they just, they just magic every, wrecks. Everybody any just sort of wants to line. stay away from magic. And if you're going to have Wonder Woman, you can no longer stay away from. Disagree. Magic. I, Thor I, proved that they could do it in a way that Thor made is it not worse. Magic. Thor is, that, but that's the point, right? Wonder they don't Woman need is. To, it's just sufficiently to. advanced. Thor magic is looks mythological. Like the entire fucking mythological, not magic. There's a difference. Hold so, hold on just a sec. Let me let me make my hey, point. You interrupted me, so I'm counter interrupting <laughs> your interrupt. I uh, have split th- second. The entire Thor storyline in the comic books. Thor is fucking magic. He's mythological. He's a magical creature. He's a fucking demigod. In the movie, they take that formula and they they you know they bring the the whole mythology with it, and they explain it away by with with the classic phrase of you know science science advanced to a certain point is indistinguishable from magic. It is. The the however the Tesseract is the, one of the most powerful magical items in the Marvel right. universe. The way that serious? they do the way that they do Thor could easily like that that formula for taking a mythological character and bringing them into a modern world could so easily be applied to Wonder Woman. The only reason so, I'm going to call wait, wait, Eddie, I, go I got dibs. Go so first off, I'm going to use the counter argument of magic that is sufficiently disappointing is no different from science. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Andy, thank but, you. So there's a difference between saying this person is a god or a demigod or a deity or whatever and saying, oh, why did this random thing happen? Magic. That, that, is the, that, is, like, that is the difference of, okay, this is acceptable. There are deities. There are weird Norse gods. There are weird Amazon gods, whatever. Then there is any random thing can be solved by magic. They don't have to put that element into a Wonder Woman but movie. But that's what always happens. I don't have to. Good. You're... You are you are saying now that because of the way it has always been, Wonder Woman is not a feasible property. And you're saying that the, because of the way that it's always been, things are suddenly going to change when they change the format. Can what? I? Can I? Can with, I? Does make any sense? With, I have a thought. 
I think if they're going to do a Wonder Woman movie that incorporates more of the um, magical elements of DC, because, you know, Marvel is sort of science and DC is sort of magic. Um, DC also involves a lot of, like, uh, shamanic stuff. And when I say shamanic, I mean, like, a lot of the superheroes in DC are, like, wounded healers who have the power to walk between two worlds, which I think, at heart, Wonder Woman is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if they took more of that angle, uh, and, you know, as Western, linear Western audiences, we need, if there's magic, it needs to have really, really explicit rules or we're into, like, bad time travel, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think it's totally possible. It's just that it's not going to be like every Marvel movie. Yeah, I, I do think I think that once once you once you incorporate Stephen Strange and they mentioned him in Winter Soldier, so it's like mm-hmm. it's obviously yeah. he exists. You can no longer and escape. technically Scarlet Witch and you, yeah. but right. she's a mutant who uses magic. Uh, okay, she uses chaos. She uses hexes. She no, is, she uses hexes. Her hexes are she's a, a fucking ability. magical. She's magic. She's magic. That's like saying Domino's magic. No probability manipulation. Okay, long yeah. shots more probability <laughs> manipulation. Yeah. More and now you're mechanics, now actually. you're splitting hairs. You are splitting hairs. Yeah. So okay, well, I just want to say one thing, and then I'm going to talk about the anime universe because that's what we were yeah, that's about. what we're supposed to be okay. talking yeah. about so, is the like, animated so stuff. The thing was is that like once they, I think, I think they're just they're trying to basically find the right way to do it. Once you in, induct Stephen Strange into the Marvel live action universe, they're going to have to explain it away. The other thing is is that I think Thor, Thor Dark World totally. Re- recanted what they just said because the dark elves were clearly magical beings. Yes. Yeah. So you've you've in- and they've used and they used the power that the dark elves were trying to uh, to gather as one of the, the infinity Aether. gems. Yes. So it's like there it's it's not impossible, nor is it even really out of that out that far out of the realm of what they can do in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. A modern fantasy movie could easily have magic right. in it. Yeah. There's going to be no. a point that I cannot wait for where the Marvel like movies have been like, okay, so we've set all this shit up. How do we pull it off? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Yeah. A machine gun toting raccoon riding on a living tree. I am totally oh, all right. Amazing. I am Groot. I, yeah. Groot I think with I rocket raccoon. I definitely shoulder. think DC. I definitely shit. think DC yeah. is more open to the. In, but in you give a shit about Wonder magic. Woman. I, I'm saying that I give a shit about DC. I think DC is more open to it. I think DC is way more open to introducing so magic into live care. action than than Marvel is. No, not really. I don't. I disagree because if they were, they would have a Wonder Woman movie already. Yeah. Sure. So going into the animated movies, the one thing they're they're amazing, and the one thing that makes the DC movies amazing is that they stick to the comic books. They don't have to like dumb everything down for the live action movies yep. like they usually do. Yeah. They stick to the comic comic books. They go through that story, and and it's amazing. And I think the reason why is because they know these animated movies are going to be watched and viewed by people who actually read the comic books. Yeah. That's sort of like a so good. They keep and, and it. Is completely merciless yeah. with the fact it's like okay, you need to know Batman's lore to yeah. read, you know, to watch this film. Or, what I like, or not is just do. And the one thing they had, they had a Wonder Woman animated movie, mm-hmm. and she did have magic, and it was amazing. She flew around the whole screen, just kicking ass the entire time, and it was it was amazing. And people liked it. The, the Earth Two one where they brought in the evil Justice. The Christ Justice. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, they don't need to have like, Quid for, Bono. Mm. 
Yeah, right. and and it was really and it was really good. And yeah. that's the one thing is that they they stick to the comic books and they give that to the fans. And also, all the animated TV shows go to the fans too. So when they have the the Green Lantern animated TV show, they have all the all the different lanterns, the blue lanterns and the red lanterns and whatnot. And they don't try to dumb it down for anybody. They just bring it all in. It's like, okay, these red lanterns are bad. It seems like that's sort of like the relationship between a lot of manga and anime, like mm. in Japan, where it's like you're kind of expected to read, look, you know, they're, they're similar. And if you follow one, you follow the other. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, but a lot of times the manga and the anime don't exactly follow yeah, each other. They don't mash up. There's filler in the anime because there's so that it doesn't catch up to the manga. And, it's so yep. weird. And for some reason with DC, it seems when they go live action that there's way too many cooks fiddling with the yeah. pot. And yeah, there's like, no, no, That's we have true. market research says that we can't yeah. use magic because nobody understands magic. So, you know, we can't nobody do Nobody understands this. magic because ah. we don't practice magic. Yeah. It, <laughs> only that one, kind of stuff. Only 0.1% of our viewers are yeah, practicing are magicians. magicians. Yeah. If they just <laughs> stick to the source material, they would be, it would be amazing. What, right. I, what yeah. I will say about the anime universe is I like the fact that when you watch one of the animated movies that, like if you compare, I'd say, Flashpoint, and the movie and Flashpoint, the comic book, right? There are distinct things that they take out that we don't care about. We're like, yeah, I'm glad you didn't have that in there. Like, the movie does not have the intergalactic fucking treadmill like in the it. And I'm, and I'm happy. And I'm glad it's not. And I'm glad it's not. Huh? Professor Zoom is he in there? Yes, Professor okay. Zoom is in there, right? Yeah. And this goes this goes back this goes back to all all the way to anything that has been adapted to movies. And it like like goes back to the argument of when they when they adapted the Lord of the Rings and they and. They didn't put Tom Bombadil in it, and I'm totally Yay. fine with that because Tom it Bombadil would have been, would have been yeah. fucking stupid in the movie, and so they just gloss over it, and it's yeah. fine. And I'm but glad they, that I'm, I'm okay with them doing that. That's kind what of I'm saying. I'm, gl- I'm glad when they do that, but they put in distinct parts that you like really want. Like for example, let's take let's take the um in the I just I watched I tried to watch Son of Batman last night, but I fell asleep because I was so tired. <laughs> it was like two thirty in the morning, and I wanted to watch this movie. However, I got to the part where Damien meets uh, Batman. And he looks at me and goes, uh, "I thought you'd be taller." Like yeah. in the comic book, <laughs> Such a that thing. was one of like the like oh yeah. shit like uh-huh. that was one of the best parts of the comic book. And they've done this continuously with all the animated movies. They know what the fans have liked, and they're like, "We will have this in there. We will have this scene. Yeah. We yeah. will have eight year old Damien freaking Captain Fools in the back of the head because oh well, he was raised by League of Assassins. It's like mm-hmm. it's. I think one of the most disappointing things about the animated universe is that. Wonder Woman was one of the best animated films. However, because it had low sales, they refused to make a part two. And yeah. I think that was one of the movies that really deserved it. Like mm-hmm. as as far as female her- heroines go, like I enjoy Wonder Woman to the fullest. Like I really like the character and I really like the way that the Justice League War movie was portrayed because I believe that DC with that animated movie has portrayed all the characters exactly how they would act if they were real mm-hmm. superman would be a d-bag you would not want you like he <laughs> is a douche yeah, he yeah. is i mean a t- he he beats up green lantern and then shows up and looks at batman and goes what hey what can you do like just his whole the way he's portrayed when cyborg it reminds goes, me very much of the avengers conversation between thor and Thor and Iron Man, where he's like, "Take away the armor, and what are you?" It was Cap. It was Cap. Oh, it was Cap. Yeah. Take away the armor, and what uh, are you? Billionaire playboy, playboy philanthropist. Yeah, yeah, he's like, yeah, true. Yeah, genius bill- billionaire playboy. G- yeah, he's like, yeah, <laughs> best thing ever happened to you came out of a test tube. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's just that. So 
the way those characters were portrayed in Justice League War, I think that the movies are only getting better. You know, yeah. um, Batman is a little bit cocky because, well, he's bat. You know, he's he's a little mm-hmm. bit cocky, but not douchey cocky like Superman. But you know, Green Lantern's cocky because, well, he's the first human to have the ring. Like they're they're all their attitudes. You know, Wonder Woman is this I am woman, hear me roar, and you she's know, also I'm, literally a demigoddess. Yeah, she's yeah. literally a demigod. Like I I believe that the animated universe is probably one of the best things is definitely the best thing coming out of like the dc oh yeah corporation yeah right now and i can tell that they're I think not it's because they handle it you right know? And not, they don't have to hand it over to wb they're right the that, and that's app. a good thing wb is simply there for name and backing but mm-hmm. but i think wb has very little say in like oh you can't do that like the dc has the control to say we are this is based on this yeah. adaptation yeah. we will put this in which is one of the reasons why i think that's one of the reasons why the marvel stuff has has done so well is because when when avi arad set up marvel studios um specifically for that exact reason right they're like um movie it was like they set up marvel studios as a separate entity yep. and then gave them the rights to stuff so even when marvel got bought by Disney, Disney, mm-hmm. um, Marvel Studios as this separate entity, like the movie rights didn't all of a sudden go to Disney, right? They went, right. they stayed with Marvel Studios. So now the people in Marvel Studios who know what the fuck they're doing still have control over that, mm-hmm. much like DC still has control over the rights when they make the animated stuff, yeah, as opposed right. to when they got bought by WB. The whole reason WB bought them was for the rights to their properties to turn into other Shit. media properties, okay. right? And mostly to shit all over them when they do that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean it's... it's yeah. I, I haven't watched much, if any, of the new DC stuff, but I've heard nothing but I good things I will say they're it. all, like, every single one is worth it. The Dark Knight Returns is, is awesome. You know, too, it was priceless. The uh, Wonder Woman was one of the best ones I've seen. Crisis on Infinite Earth is, like, is... There's nothing. There's no movie I've seen. Like when I got down, I was like, "Oh, I was severely disappointed." However, like some of the Marvel animated universe stuff, I was mm. less than you know yeah, less than horrible. enthused about. Like they were okay, but like the one that came out with Iron Man: Rise of the Technovore, it was okay, but it wasn't as good as like the DC stuff. And then mm-hmm. they had the it was like the best one that came out of Marvel was the Hulk versus. I will say like Hulk versus Wolverine, Hulk versus Thor was actually was 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 pretty good. Yeah. The, the World War good. Hulk. Yeah, World War Hulk was pretty good. I haven't liked... But it's not the same. It's, see, I haven't liked any of the Marvel animated. So even going back <laughs> all the way, if we're, we're going to go to old school to the Batman era, like the original X-Men cartoon, I did not like that cartoon. Oh, that was... But really? I, it was awesome. I everybody cartoon. loves that cartoon. I know everybody loves it, and I just thought it, it was... It was awesome. I just thought it was Was cheesy. it better than Batman animated series? No, no not, not at all. Close. It not was a, cheesy, but... Yeah, and there was just something about it that I just didn't like. I don't know. Like X-Men Evolution or X-Men Wolverine, the X-Men. I I really don't like those. I would definitely say the DC Animated Versus is... Uh, steps ahead. A while back on my blog, I went and I watched. I, I compared the first episode of the '90s X Men show and the for the whenever X Men show X Men and then X Men Evolution. It yeah. was really interesting to watch them side by side. Um, I was looking at it at like I do through a feminist. St- lens and frankly x-men evolution failed where <laughs> regular x-men was sort of fine is, is in that, that like where, 90s way <laughs> is that the one where jubilee's in the mall like yeah jubilee yeah. and jean gray and yeah. stormer and, yeah i mean like They're on shopping. the one hand it's well the that thing was is based though, on the actual comics that was based on the comics. Here's, here's the thing yeah. though that doesn't Joel, make it any like better. i realized yeah. that there are women <laughs> in the mall shopping but at the same time they are active and powerful in doing what they want to be doing and like kicking ass whereas in x-men evolution 
frankly, the female characters have very little agency, and it's kind of sad. Pretty Deadly is one of the the new wave of image awesomeness. Um, it is written by Kelly C. DeConnick. It is drawn by Emma Rios. The two previously paired up on Captain Marvel for several issues. Uh, it is colored by the ubiquitous Jordi Belair, who is, by the way, having met her at, at Emerald City Comic Con, is just a fantastic person. Uh, all of these, I have not met Emma Rios yet. She hasn't been up here to come to a con, yeah. but Kelly C. DeConnick and, and uh, Jordi Belair, all fantastic people. They're lovely. Um, Clayton Cowles is on the book. It is... There is this new there is this wave in the past 2 years where image has just been knocking it out of the fucking park. It's true. Fucking fantastic. Ev- almost everything that they make is is a spectacularly good book. Um there's there's some stuff that I don't read so I can't really comment on it but Literally, um, and I've I know I've said this before. I don't I don't subscribe to the new to any of the big two books. Um I subscribe to 24 books a month is what I get. Damn. Uh, You're a monster. There is an, there is an Oni book, which is uh, Sixth Gun. There was a Vertigo book. There were two Vertigo books that I've canceled. Well, one of them was canceled. One of them I canceled, which was un- unwritten, and the other one was um, uh, Trillium, which is, is done now. There's a Boom Studios book. And is that Sixth Gun Gorilla? No, that's done. Yeah, I subscribe to Midas Flesh from Boom Studios. Sure, and and an and an and an IDW book, and the rest of my the rest of my subscriptions are Image, like 20, 20 books I think eighteen books Image. I sometimes um, I talk to people and I'm like I don't really read big two. They're like, oh, what do you read? I'm like, I read a lot of Image, and they're like, Spawn, and I'm like, dude, yeah, not look not, at what Image is doing now. It's awesome. Image it's like has two. Uh, the Luther Strode books, uh, East of West, uh, Pretty Deadly, Manhattan Project. Uh, is that yeah. image? Is that image? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I think so. No. Who does Avenger Time? Is that Boom Studios? That's Boom Studios. Boom Studios. Secret. Secret. Yep. Um, I mean, I could. I Comeback could, was Image. Lazarus. Comeback. Like, uh, there's so many books. They're just well. Actually, give me. I that guess issue. I got give a lot of Dark Horse as well because like Veil is Dark Horse. And sheltered, sheltered image. image. Oh, they don't do the thing anymore. Oh, where they do, show like they all the books. Thing where they had a, they used to do a thing in the back of the issues where they had like the covers of every issue every coming issue, out that yeah. month. I mean, image, image. I am blown away by their the the variation in what they do and the quality of what they do and their ability fatal is image uh their ability to give creative teams that are proven to be good the opportunity to run away with their ideas saga and that it's image? exactly saga's saga. image that is exactly what they've done with pretty deadly uh kelly sue DeConnick, uh, she's got a humongous fan base from uh, Captain Marvel, and from you know she had written a few other things before Captain Marvel, and they were uh, they were good quality as hell. Ghost Black is Science. great. Yeah, Ghost. Oh, Black Science, Black Science. Image. Image. Yes. Yeah. Um, and 
she had, you know, I had read a couple of the things she'd done, mm-hmm. and they were the wake. Without being no, the wake the is deep. deadly uh, dark, horse. dark horse. Yeah, dark horse. Um, deadly class. Deadly class. Oh god, deadly. Oh, class. we need to read that. We yeah, need we should. to remember. Remember. Yo, remender. deadly class is really fucking remember. It's awesome. like one of the few books that like isn't supernatural at all that I've really enjoyed. Yeah. Right. It's, it's like regular dudes. So dudes oh. groups and sex criminals. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. Right. Like all the all everything that I love right now is image. Dead They're Body Road. Dead Body Road. Yeah. Um. So pretty deadly. My my journey with Kelly Sue DeConnick is like she had a fan base long before I knew who she was. Uh, and the first couple of things that I read from her were were I'm not trying to be insulting, but they were just kind of like side weird crap. Like what did you read of hers? Uh, there was a, a a Harry Osborne oh yeah thing that she wrote. Um, I can't remember what it's called now. Osborne Osborne Incorporated unmasked. Yep, something like that. Osborne something. Anyway, and she oddly enough, one of the things that I read just because I love the show. She wrote she wrote the graphic novel adaptation of a Richard Castle book that doesn't yeah, actually yeah. exist for the show castle right right? so like we talked to her about that yeah nathan fillion's character writes a book gets adapted into a comic book that's the comic book's real the book doesn't exist Derek storm or yeah and um and uh the comic book ended up showing up on the show right because like richard castle as a character is like they're making my book into a comic book and he shows the actual like marvel comic book right um and so I was like, when I read those things, I was like, okay, like these are okay. It's just called Osborne. It's just called Osborne. No, it's not that. It's just called Osborne Incarcerated. I think is what it was. It was it's the one, it's the mini series where he's in jail. Yeah. Um, from 2011. Yep. It's is just, it really? It's, it's, called, it's just called Osborne. Mm. Yep. Okay. Hmm. It's right after Dark Avengers. Yep. It's the one, yep, because he goes, yep, it's right after. I know you're talking about. So we we read and reviewed the first run of, of Captain Marvel on the show. And as most of the fans know, I'm not a huge fan of it. I I don't think it's bad by any means. It just doesn't fit my style. Um, but Pretty Deadly, I remember seeing her pitch Pretty Deadly. Like when, when this is, it's on, it's going into issue six. It just finished issue five. Issue six is coming out in June. And so six months ago, she was she pitched it, and I was like, "This sounds fantastic." Um, and I didn't like I didn't like Emma Rios's art on Captain Marvel. I didn't think it fit at all. Like, um, I think that it was obvious that they work really well together as a team. Sure, but Emma Rios's stuff is a little weird. Like, I actually like her style a lot on the on Captain Marvel a lot better than some like Dexter. Is it Dexter Soy? Is the other one Dexter Soy? I don't really love Dexter Soy's art on the book. I don't know who needs to draw that book. I don't think they've found it, the correct person. That's exactly yet. what I was going to say. Joe Quinones like, needs to draw that book. Yeah, is, that is what's the what? But um, yeah, I I I'm not a huge fan of Dexter Soy, but I thought Dexter Soy was more suited to the superhero genre than than Emma Rios. That's the thing. Is. Emma Rios has a really cool art style, and it's it it flourishes in Pretty Deadly, yeah. where it was sort of meh in Captain Marvel. Um, this is a book that that. I don't know who, like, I can't imagine a time in comic books when this book would have been published that is not now. Like, five years ago, I don't think this book would have ever 
picked up off the ground. And if it did, it probably would have been Vertigo. I was um, thinking like Oni, maybe, or some... Dark Horse. Maybe Dark Horse. Maybe. This is so Vertigo to me. Like This is, this is yeah. like classic Vertigo, in my opinion. But... You know, I might be wrong, but this is the kind of book that I could see coming from Vertigo. Um, But for to kind of spell it out, it is a it is a weird Western. It's a Western fantasy. Right. It's it's supernatural Western. Supernatural Western. It's a weird. It's the kind of the the term is weird West. It's to say like like sixth gun dark. Um, there was a, so I was at a panel at Emerald City Comic Con that had a bunch of, uh, it, it was a phenomenal panel with Greg Rucka and Matt Fraction and Kelly Sue DeConnick nice. and Cullen Bunn. Nice. And, um, they were talking about weird West stories and she made, she made a, co- they made a comment about doing an East of West sixth gun, pretty deadly crossover. Cause what? they're all like pseudo, like <laughs> my mind would explode. Yeah. <laughs> they, what they called it, uh, um, East of the Pretty Sixth Gun or something like that. It was like, but uh, it's a, w- a weird western. Like Deadlands is is the one that I always bring up as the the consummate weird western. Um, that is that's exactly what it's supposed to be. And wouldn't Wasteland kind of funnel in that too? Because it was like sort of has western elements. West a lot of old west. It's elements. more post apocalyptic. Yeah, it's it's okay. more straight post apocalyptic than weird western. So, because oh. like like all star western is kind of has supernatural. There you go. All star western, western, western is, is definitely supernatural. Jonah Hex is Hex. like okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because that's one of the things I always said about Book of uh, uh, Book of Eli, the movie Book of Eli. Like you could t- Book of Eli is a western. It's it is a post apocalyptic movie. It is of what. Post-apocalyptic yeah. Western. It is a post-apocalyptic story, but literally, if you took the the script for Book of Eli, it's like a yes, I sucked it out of a post-apocalyptic storyline and transplanted it's it a, into it, an it, old it, western. It's yep, a fucking it, western. It's a western. It could be a western. Yes, definitely. Um, Pretty deadly is. God, I don't. I can't say any enough good things about this book. So um, I think one of its one of its the things that really is amazing about it is how how easily. Uh, they walk around in this world that is very mythic and surreal and um, like fairy tale and myth. There's like a lot of depth going on in these characters, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they're they're able to just sort of like navigate neatly through the story. It's not. Uh, it doesn't feel overly intellectual or pretentious to me, but it does feel sort of timeless and fairy tale. Yeah. Why are you setting down your mic, Andy? We want you to talk about the book. You guys were raving, and I'm a little bit lit, so I was just going to let you go. <laughs> honest. Response is honest. Uh, what did you think about it, Eddie? Because you're like... This is the shit that I You are the DC the guy. You are a huge DC guy. So I feel like this is out of your realm a little bit. Primary so I'm kind of curious what your, what your idea on it is. So, well, I guess uh, I saw it. And I had read something on a website about one of the... It was like comic books for noobs. And it was like, this is what's coming out. And so I got to the comic shop and I was like, hey, you know, uh, what... Like, I asked the comic book guy, I said, what do you, know, what do you, what do you, what do you think about this? Yeah. He's like, hey, you know, I, I give it a shot. You know, and I'm, I'm usually a person that will buy a number one. Read it. And if I don't like it, eh. But I, I really haven't... Nothing invested. I read it. And I think the reason why I was drawn to it because it was so outside of everything that I'm reading mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Because every, most of what I'm reading now is, uh, you know, with the exception of like Deadly Class and maybe one other thing, is Batman Universe 
and you know a couple of Marvel things. Yeah. I read this. I read number one, and I was like, "This is so anti everything I'm reading," and it's good. And it's it's just like I was drawn to I was drawn to the Western elements. I was drawn to the supernatural, pretty much like the supernatural pieces drove me to want to know more. I was like, "Okay, I I kept reading because I wanted to know more about the character." Like mm-hmm. I was like, "I want to know about." I mean, like so, the um, I can't remember his name, but the blind, the blind old man. Yeah, that's one of the problems Amazing. that I'm I'm going to have a names, lot of problems remembering. Names, names gives me yeah, names is definitely very difficult for me to remember in this book. Don't worry about it, Joel. Everyone gets those things mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so uh, but definitely a character that I was like I want to know more about, and then. I think I really got into the book when they introduced the uh, he the, he, has, he would have a character, t- a very pr- fox uh, guy, the 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 guy who's like you first see him he's with the harlot and he's in the yeah it, is he called the fox? redheaded guy I feel like he's called fox yeah when they introduced that Johnny. Kid, very method when they oh, yeah, introduced Johnny. him I was like oh I'm in like he's a he's like a normal bro like he is the. <laughs> he that's what he see he reminds me of just like a normal everyday dude is kind of like uh, I do do I do things because I want to do things but every once in a while I want to do something good and that's the type of character he came off as and the introduction of char- of that character anti-hero perhaps Yeah yeah like like a Dante almost uh, like he's, Are we talking he's... Inferno or Clerks <laughs> I'm not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> <laughs> I really. Uh, I was going to say like a DMC, a Devil May Cry, a oh, Dante. Uh, Obli- okay. almost, yeah, kind of like <laughs> ob- like obligated, but not really. It's, 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 so there is a third paradigm for Dante. There is. There's <laughs> the right. D- DMC Dante. Right. Uh, yeah. But that character introduction is what w- kept me wanting to yeah. read the book. Like, I was like, ooh, new, like it was Johnny. And the girl who, um, who's Death's daughter, I guess, who Death Face Jenny, Death Face Jenny, yeah. Those two characters were just immediately, Her. yes, yeah. Those two characters is like immediately. I was just like, I'm in. I want to know more. I yeah. want. I want more. I, I think w- there's a exciting um, variety of archetypes in the book too, yes. because you have like yes, the sort yes. of cold hard badass characters in like Death Face Jenny and Big Alice, but at the same time you have like sort of mysterious mother figure that has a lot more it's, going on under the surface and you've got so, like yeah, you've it's got just, Mason being like you're sort of he's, he's like one part mentor yeah you know, right but at the same time he's also like the villain of the old story it's Who's, yeah there's so much it's just yeah, it's where he's like, he's like walking through this story in a, in an attempt to re- redeem himself, and it's a really interesting redemption tale too, which is not always true. I feel like redemption tales can fall into trope and cliche pretty easily, but yeah. this this entire book resists cliche. Like it does, which I is th- cool for a western. I think that's the other thing. I think that that's probably something else. Is that like I said, it was because it's atypical of everything else. The resistance to to the cliche, the resistance to oh, I know what's going to happen next. Pretty much, you know, and it's so funny because. The other night, I mean, not to get off too far, but I was watching a show and I was like, I know what's going to happen just because this type of character developed in this way always does this. And this book is the total opposite of that. Yay, procedurals. Yeah, you're like, oh, this character's going to, whoa, okay. Johnny Coyote, because he's fucking Coyote. Like, he is Coyote. Yeah. Yay, trickster god. I love love the, the kind of, from the get-go, how it's couched in the 
almost like story within a story within a story yeah. kind it of is. thing where it, there's like uh, Inception or not Inception. no, it just helps it set, it, set itself up as a myth. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's like it's it's being told like the reader is being told the story by the 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 butterfly and the rabbit right um, skeleton and. <laughs> You you get a, a little glimpse of that at the start, and then the the like the history of Death Face Ginny is kind of told in that old school theater thing where the where the girl and the and Mason mm-hmm. is that his name the blind guy are, are like telling the story in the in the town at the hanging right um, and it f- the way that it flips back and forth between those like. I, there's something I love about the structure of how yeah. every issue you step into the um, the butterfly and the bunny kind of tell it, you know, the butterfly asking the bunny about these these people and what happened and how it moves into the story of them. And and I'm not articulating myself well because that's I, I never do. I, I run a fucking podcast and I can't fucking, you know, organize my thoughts. Organize the thought. Um, <laughs> but... Just the, the the structure and the kind of lyrical dialogue that that she writes into it um, make it uh, make it so that there's there's so much that is not revealed mm-hmm. that they hold so much back in the first three or four issues of yep. this comic book more way more than most other comics would you know and. It was funny she was, when I was that same panel. Um, uh, Kelly Sudeconic was talking about how she, for the first three issues, she was like really afraid that she had held too much back, like because people had no fucking idea, right. like which yeah. is fine because I got to the third issue, and that, that and that's the weird thing, right? Like the there are certain things that you can you can deal with that are style over substance, where. The first three issues of this comic book, I'm not gonna lie, I had no idea what was going on. Oh no, I didn't either. I was like, I don't, I don't get it. Stylistically, and the construction of the character archetypes was so fantastic that I didn't care. I didn't care. I reread. I've reread this full run of five issues three times now, and I, I get it now because she does. She just closed stuff out at the end of the first yeah. arc. Um, she was also worried, worried that she. She answered too many questions in issue five, and I will say absolutely not. I think it was perfect. Um, but I I was amazed by this book because when I, I think part of it because when I saw Emma Rios do um, Captain, Captain Marvel, Marvel, I was not impressed. I didn't like her style for the storyline. I thought that um, it didn't. It just didn't feel right. Uh, so I was a little bit wary. Like I was, I was interested in the the, the premise of Pretty Deadly, and mm-hmm. I I knew that Kelly C. DeConnick was a good writer, so I was willing to go into it. Um, when I saw Emma Rios realize Kelly C. DeConnick's vision, I was like, "This is this is a, such a fantastic partnership on a comic book." Like the the idea, like Emma Rios's art is is. Probably I I can't I can't even this is one of the few comic books like most comic books I can be like oh I could see X draw this or Y draw this I can't see anybody but yeah. Marius draw this absolutely I, I will say at this, all the art for me so when I had the same problem the first three issues I'm kind of really still trying to figure this out like okay where are we going mm-hmm. the art though 
is was very attractive, mm-hmm. which which was like, okay, you know, if anything, I, I'm a fan of this artwork, so I'm going to keep with it just to see where this goes because the art is easy on the eye. So I think that that's probably that's another thing. The I, I particularly will say this right, and um, and I don't know if anybody else notices this. I, I notice little things like this. The panels, the way the panels are in the physical layout, is brilliant. Is yeah, it's like it's. I guess brilliant would be the best word to describe it's, it. It's a little bit different than s- standard, standard American comics. I right. guess I don't know if it's slightly manga well, influenced or what. You know well, what? Kelly Sue's like, and that's her background. Yeah, her background is in manga, yeah. and I think that's what it is. Um, everybody knows that. You know, I'm a big fan of like you know Japanese anime and manga, and I think maybe that's what's so attractive about it. the panels. The panels are very manga esque, as opposed to traditional. Traditional, if you look traditional comic. There's probably about like eight panels per page. They're very linear. It's like these are your top three panels. Those next two. They're based. Then, it's based on a nine panel grid. Right. You know, it's like everything comes off the nine panel grid. Exactly. This throws the nine panel grid out the throws window. it out the window. Pisses on it. It says like we're gonna do what we want. <laughs> and I in, like in that. issue five. There's a specific uh, panel that I really like where it's there's a zoom in. Of the panel within the panel uh-huh. and that takes up the the second half and continues the dialogue and it's just brilliant. Yeah, the the panels in this the panels in this book are amazing. The layout is just it's just absolutely freaking invigorating. One of the things that I would like to say about this because we've talked about her on the show a million times, but I'm going to talk with about her on the again. show once. I'm not talking about Kelly Sue. Are you talking uh, about? Jordi I was going to sell. Or? I was going to talk about Jordi Belair. Um, I I am fascinated like i've become very interested in how like in in the colorists part in comic books lately and seeing a a, seeing a colorist as as widely used as jordy belair she's i mean i've seen her on fucking everything she She has a ton of like even she she even did a mini series called three from uh <laughs> Boom Studios, I think it was. It was ba- three. Was basically a, it was an ancient, uh, a, a ancient Greece. It was a story from ancient Greece, and it was actually a historical story. Um, but one of the things that has fascinated me about about Jordi Belair's Jordi Belair is her ability to adapt her style to the comic book that she is coloring. So much, but like there, there are other colorists out there where, when you see their colors, you know that's their style. It's their work. It is their work. Like John Rauch is a good example. John Rauch is the guy that currently colors uh, Invincible, and everything he colors, everything I've seen him color, looks the same. And it that's not bad. That means he's got much like an artist. He has a style, right? That yeah. is his style, and that's fine for his stuff. But. Um, Who's the uh, the colors for Sheltered? Shari Shankama. Shari Shankama is also another person where it's like, I I feel like I could see something that she had worked on and know that it was her work Mm -hmm. because of her style. Yeah. I don't think that's true of Jordi Belair in a very good way. Like I feel like I ad- look at a comic, I'm like, wow, this is really good coloring. I wonder if it's Jordi Belair. Yeah. She adapts her style so well to the subject matter that she's handed and the artist that's that uh she's she's coloring and that's what makes her fascinating to to see her colors because mm-hmm. in this book it's so this book is so different from anything 
like the coloring in it is just so well suited. I think the only other colorist I've seen that's similar in like his ability to adapt his style is Bill Crabtree, who is oh, the yeah, guy sure. that colors. He colored Invincible for the first probably forty issues, and now he colors the Sixth Gun mm-hmm. and a few others. And um, like, I've just like. Th- I think that was because didn't Jordi Belair do the Captain Marvel run with Emma Rios as well? Possibly. I think. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just know that when I when I looked she, at this she book, she did Manhattan I, projects, which oh god, see, and that that there's a perfect example. It's like, like color was huge in that book. Or just, huge. yeah, the, the design of Manhattan projects because it's mm-hmm. a fucking Hickman book. Oh yeah. Right? Uh, so it's got Hickmany design and her color, and they mesh well together. And it doesn't well together. look like they're. They're yeah. fighting each other. I've I've rarely until this until the last probably two or three years with with people like Shari Chankama and and Jordi Belair. Um, I'm I was one of the old school comic book f- fans that I had no fucking clue who colored shit. I didn't. Yeah, it I, didn't 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 even come into my brain. Was, I could say and, for a while like it wasn't even about like writers or artists or anything like that for me. It was purely about I guess maybe being a child character attractiveness like ooh, that character looks cool i want to read that book yeah as opposed to now it's like oh oh who's on it scott snyder's on this oh okay i'm gonna give this right. a shot or or greg Capullo's drawing yeah. this oh, okay i'm gonna give it a shot Ooh, rick remender another book by him like yeah i get what you're saying for and sure. i think the first time in in my history it was it was the advent of image was really the first time that i started noticing creators because that was images push they were like we are we, we, we are creators guys. and these are the things that we are creating with them um and but over the last couple of years, um, there's been a lot of, and I, I don't know if it's a concerted push by the industry or if it's just fans bringing it up, but there's been a lot more recognition for colorists and their contribution to artwork and what and how it can, can and can't affect the artwork. Right. And Invincible is a good example of that to me because I thought Bill Crabtree's colors were fantastic on Invincible mm-hmm. and I don't like John Rausch's style for that mm-hmm. book um, I, I just think it I think it's over over rendered and I don't like the way that it looks on the book compared to Bill I don't think John Rausch is a bad colorist I just don't like the way it looks compared to Bill Crabtree and Jordi Belair has totally brought the colorists to the forefront for me her Noticing her colors is what made me notice colors yep. like Shari Chankama's colors on on Sheltered and Bill Crabtree's like colors right on there, Six Gun and just, stuff. That's so that, I mean that, the the that's insane. So just I want to go on to a tangent real quick. That's fine because uh, you haven't talked for the entire fucking. So the segment. obvious comparison what? for Pretty Deadly would be Sixth Gun. However, I feel that they're completely different. They are completely they're different. wildly different. They're both fantasy westerns. Sure. Is, is what I'm saying. How would you guys break down if someone was like, I want to read a fantasy western? Because you're going to give them two options. What are you going to say to them? Between the Sixth Gun and Pretty Deadly? Yeah. I would say if you're looking for an action-adventure story that incorporates a lot of um, North, what American. Do I do? North American mythos. Um, and when I say that, I mean like cryptozoology. Okay. Like the go Wendigo f- and the Griffins. And Wendigo, Thunderbird, um, the Loa in the in the you said uh, North Louisiana. American Baron Samadhi. Baron Samadhi, yeah. Uh, then I would say yeah. go for in Sixth what? Gun. But if you want something that is literary, okay. mythic, narrative, um, surreal awesomeness, go for Pretty Deadly. 
I mean, I feel like I w- it would depend. If it's the person that's like, I love Marvel. I love Marvel movies. I read superhero comics all the time. I would maybe steer them towards Sixth Gun. If they're like, I DC, like DC, graphic DC, novels. Right. Uh-uh. I read stuff from Fantagraphics. I would oh. say, read the hell out of Pretty Dead. So your two choices. Okay, so I, it depends on, I would have to ask them a couple other questions because I think that, I think Pretty Deadly for, depending on the type of person, could be too much for them at first. Like, it could be... It's it, very literary. Right. It, it could be, yes. like, immediately, like, I wouldn't say uh, intimidating. Intimidating is probably the word, like, you st- you're like, okay, I... I could see that. You it's have to book, be willing to for smart people. read several issues. Exactly. <laughs> like, right. you, you can't just read the surface area and of, not, of the surface of the story. And right. like, I wouldn't oh, say smart is- people. I would say dedicated people. You have to be willing to... Yes. You have to be willing to... Look deeper into what you're reading and potentially reread. Yeah. To, yes. You know, I, I'm I'm gonna stick with smart people. You have to. <laughs> you, you have to be okay not immediately understanding what's going on. I would say an int- a good introductory would be All Star Western or Jonah Hex into this yeah, type. I, I can of definitely see that evolution. area liking this, and then it's like, oh well, well I read this, I want something more. Okay, and I would now say, maybe you're ready for Pretty Deadly. See, and I would say Sixth Gun is the. I I I think Sixth Gun is. Nearly the, now, I'm biased clearly because Six Gun's one of my favorite comics. But <laughs> I would say Six Gun is nearly the perfect introduction to the weird West, like fantasy Western thing, um, because of the fact that it doesn't necessarily try and incorporate. Um, it, it doesn't try and incorporate the standard fantasy tropes and. Uh, European mythology into its storyline. It it like Anne says. It's like she, he plays so hardcore it is on a North American North story. American mythos and storylines. I think um, that's a quintessential with, thing of westerns, and yeah. both books do it. They just have very different takes but, on but it. But westerns are just reimaginations, normally of samurai stories. Uh, to some to some degree, Depends. there are there I are mean, definitely often, some of those. a lot of connection. There is, and that's the reason connection. why, like, there's a bunch of crossover in film between samurai movies and western movies. Sure. But I, I feel like western's kind of a funky genre to talk about because, on the one hand, it is sort of all about reimagining some sort of magical, glorious past where men were men and women were women and everyone had really strict gender roles and law and order and blah, 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 blah. But if you think about it, like the the top three Westerns, the quintessential Westerns, they're called spaghetti Westerns because they were all by Italians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it, Westerns um, sort of have grown into this ideal, um, this fantasy of what the American culture was in that time period, mm-hmm. like your white, your white, it's a, myth, Earp it's a mythologized it's a version of the American. It, it's, yeah, culture. It's, so it's the American mythos. What I feel like these are doing is taking the idea of American mythos and divorcing it from the really stupid bullshit of a lot of film westerns. Yeah, um, and where Sixth Gun is more like we're going to take these cool critters and incorporate them into the story. This like there's a there's a lot of stuff that's Native American myth. Um, Coyote mm-hmm. and Fox are in there. Uh, the fact that there's Big Alice who like explodes into monarch butterflies is so quintessentially American yeah. in terms of like the entire continent. Really cool. I cannot say enough good things about Pretty Deadly. It's one of my favorite comic books right now. It's um, it's one of the strangest, most unique comic books on the market For at sure. the moment. I feel like it will be classic in 20, 50 years. Yeah, I, I'm. 
I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of as with anything that's in its infancy, there is a lot of ways that the creative team for Pretty Deadly could fuck this up. I Fair. trust <laughs> them not to, because I think that one of the one of the beauties of Pretty Deadly is that Kelly Sudeconic's a great writer. This this is clearly her passion project. Yeah. And Emma Rios is hardcore into it just as much as she is, right? So this is like this is their baby. And I have a feeling that if this comic runs ten years, five years, thirty to sixty issues or so, um th- that it could end up in that pantheon of of spectacular that is occupied by things like Preacher. Like I, it really has the potential. Yeah, like there are these books that are comic book readers. Like you need to read this comic Mm -hmm. book because it was fantastically done from start to finish. This has the potential to get there. Um, And I'll go with Luke. I think that Kelly has a really good chance of getting there. I have some faith in her on this. Um, I hope that they can keep it up in in terms of like continuing to be in the world that they're in and continuing to tell really cool stories and working into whatever larger arc is obviously happening. I Like you, I have faith that they totally can. So if we're going to go buy, borrow, burn, I I am clearly an obvious buy. Um, and really? actually, and, So surprised. Right. <laughs> shocker. And I'm also going to buy it for Joel since Joel showed up to the podcast having read the wrong book for the show, which is why you haven't heard him it's talk cool. You'll about it. You'll be well-versed in two weeks, though, yep. or four weeks when we get the cap. So that's, that's cool. Uh, I'm a clear buy. Anne? I, would bu- I have bought the hell out of it. I would continue to buy the hell out of it. Based on what you've heard us talk about, Joel, what would you do? I'll buy it. Okay. It's, it's right down my avenue. Yeah. Eddie? I've got Ali. five singles sitting in front of me. <laughs> exactly. It's obviously on my subscription box. Andy? I think it's good enough that I might start referring to Matt as Kelly C. DeConnick's husband. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that is a unanimous buy. That is the second week in a row that we've Woo! had a unanimous buy. And you know what? It's Thank you, Diffraction. Yeah, I was going to say, it's another image book. So uh, <laughs> go buy it. So I guess this was episode 67 because uh, <laughs> I said 68 at the beginning of the episode. I can never fucking remember what you never get the numbers on. right. Um Anyway, we were just disappointed that 69 wasn't sex criminals, um, which is number one on the New York Times bestseller list for paperback. Oh, really? Wow. Yes, it is so good. Yeah. So we just we just penis. did Pretty Deadly. Our next episode, we are doing Buzzkill, which is Dark Horse. Is it Dark Horse? Dark Horse. Dark Horse comic that Andy absolutely loves. And it's it's thematic right now because he's lit I'm already on the show. Drunk. It's not uh, even noon. <laughs> That's what uh, it's about. it's 12:31. Oh, we've been recording longer than I remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then for episode 69, we were doing Captain America, which is good because Joel's Joel's already, actually read the he's, material. He's gotten through the material two four weeks Keep early. It up. Uh, Keep it up. For episode 70, we are doing the long read of the entirety of Bone, uh, Jeff Smith's Woo! kind of magnum opus. Uh, it's cartoon a discussion comic. about Moby Dick. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> And we have, through episode 71 scheduled, uh, 71 is going to be The Answer, which is the Mike Norton, Dennis Hopeless uh, book. I still want to see the answer, the question, and the fact in a room together. (laughs) What about the Riddler? He can come, too. So uh, the next 
that's the next four shows buzzkill captain america bone the answer uh we will we will schedule more out from that once we get uh closer to that time if you have questions or comments or anything that you want to talk to us about very much like scanner 51 did for this show you can email us at trade secrets at geekerific.com you can text us or you text us jesus christ you can uh, say who has your no- i'm not what giving fans, out my phone number what fans have your oh my number God, i'm totally texting you, can, you right now well i'll just love to text you you can, uh, you can you can hit us up on twitter at trade secrets pod or you can hit us up on facebook we are not uh, there is no longer a Facebook page. We uh, instead have a Facebook group, which is much better for our fans because it's more interactive. You actually see everything that we post to it as Facebook opposed to a page. Facebook doesn't nerf it. Facebook doesn't nerf it. So the group is facebook.com slash groups slash trade secrets podcast. Yep. Uh, come join us on the Facebook group and talk to us about comics. You can be groupies. Um, and actually, the most a- oddly enough, the least active on the show and the most active on the group is Joel. Um, he posts interesting things. He posts yeah. interesting things to the group, and we have discussions about them, so we would love you to join us. If uh, if you would like to be part of the show, please email us or, or Twitter, Twitter, tweet us, Twitter us, twat us, Twitter us, twat us, twat me. Yes. Twat me. The twats and the blargs. Twats and the blargs. Twats and the blargs. We need to get that hashtag going again. Twat me. I'm in the pedungeon. This has been episode sixty-seven. Please tweet me. Please tweet me more. I'm at Grape Doctor. This has been. Well, we'll start off with uh, that. He's at Grape Grape Doctor. What are you, Andy? Math history. Joel. Uh, Superfly. And and being tweets, tweets. (laughs) which is sometimes true. And, and sometimes I, a lie. And I am at Geek Elite. Yes. You can tweet all of us. You can tweet the show at tradesecretsop.com. Trades, fuck me. I have shots of uh, I'm not even drunk. Wow. You're the drunk one, I, and I'm the one that can't I'm talk. I'm being coherent is the best part. You guys are like, I'll have coffee this morning. I'm like, oh, it's 10 a.m. Time for booze. Irish coffee. And it's 1230, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> so, uh, Thank you for listening to episode 67 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. Thank you, Ann. Yeah. Thank you, Joel. Huh? Thank you, Eddie. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Luke. I am Luke. I'm hoping that, that Joel actually reads the book for the next show. <laughs> this has been episode 67, all about Pretty Deadly, and we are out. And I, oh my fucking God, I had it pulled up on my iPad and my iPad just crashed and son of a bitch. The magic of motherfucking edits. We're gonna edit you can just this put shit in the out. Python I like how there's time music. jumps where I get progressively more intoxicated. Deeper and deeper into the dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, by the end of this, I'm like, pretty, there we go. I got pretty, you. Pretty, pretty deadly. Andy is in another castle, in another uh, dungeon. 